up, guys? Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Jean Amuni. Jean is the co-founder and CEO of ShakePay, which is a Canadian-based uh, Bitcoin exchange wallet, basically. So it allows you to buy Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum as well, in fact. Um, and it's uh, I'm a user, and it w- it's one of the best um, exchange Bitcoin, best ways to acquire Bitcoin that I've ever come across. Very simple, minimalist design, but uh, great rates, very fast uh, deposits and withdrawals. And uh, so for that reason, I wanted to get uh, Jean on the show just to talk about um, how they developed this product and kind of what their history has been, what the reception has been like in Canada. And then also, I haven't had too many people on the show uh, from the Canadian Bitcoin scene, and I just kind of wanted to talk to him about what the ecosystem was like um, and everything that was going on there. So this is the further discussion uh, portion. If you want to hear the rapid fire episode, that's available now as well. That's it. Enjoy. Let's do it. Well, look, man. Thanks for thanks for taking the time. Um, I'm I'm excited to talk about this because I I'm Canadian myself. Actually, I'm from Newfoundland originally, and hey, um, you know, I've always this. I don't. I'll get your opinion on this, of course, because you'd be much. You know, you're much closer to it. But my impression, I've been living outside of Canada for about the last 10 years, but my impression was always just that uh, Canada was a, like, in, sometimes I'd be excited that it was kind of ahead of the curve in some ways in, with, in regards to Bitcoin. And then in other ways, I'd, it, like compared to the U.S., of course, it seemed like the, the ecosystem was far less developed and far less diverse. And I've, I've tried a lot of the products and solutions and uh, wallets and exchanges and that kind of stuff that have come out of Canada. And I'm actually, you know, full disclaimer, full disclosure, I'm a, I'm a user of ShakePay. And uh, I, it's, I find it to be the best uh, way to acquire Bitcoin, let's say, that I've come across thus far in the Canadian market. So uh, congratulations on that. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Um, so, I mean, maybe, maybe the best place to start is just, I, like, I know you've, you've done these a few times, but give me the rundown and kind of why ShakePay why now? Where you guys are at? I mean, ShakePay is a bit of an old story. We're we're almost coming up on four years uh, that we started. You know, four years ago we started ShakePay. If if you Google ShakePay, I mean, you'll you'll start seeing things like a prepaid debit card. Uh, things were shut down. I mean, th- there's a bit of a story behind uh, what we're doing at ShakePay and why. Um, is this the right time to go through it? Yeah, go for it. Happy to. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, uh, you know, ShakePay started, it was it was two guys in Montreal, we're both from Montreal, we, we kind of studied together, university. Um, Roy, who's my co-founder, he was working at uh, Morgan Stanley, he was working in the financial division, and, uh, and um, we we're just chatting. I mean, I'd been, I'd, been, I'd been messing around with Bitcoin, and what really got me excited about Bitcoin was program, you know, its programmable aspect. I'm, I'm an engineer, I'm a developer by somewhat nature, um, and... I found it really exciting that you'd be able to program money, and I think some of the things that we take for granted for, uh, you know, in, in the Bitcoin space is that you don't need anyone's permission. You could just download, uh, you download a node, run some scripts, and you're now moving money cross border. And I was really excited about that. The, the economics uh, and 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 you know the, its profound effect on on the world kind of comes after you learn that you could just run a script. You can move money cross-border. No one can stop you, uh, and you don't need anyone's permission. I found that to be really, really powerful, and that's really what got me into Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, so 
I, I, you know, I, I approached my buddy Roy. I said, "Hey, you know, let's, we, you know, we got to start messing around with this stuff. Uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really exciting." And we started ShakePay kind of like a side project, um, kind of messing around on on weeknight, on weeknights, on on the weekend. And we eventually came upon this idea of, look, I have Bitcoin and I want to be able to spend it. I want to be able to use it. And it kind of came like a, an epiphany moment where we were sitting at a bar. I don't know if you've been to Montreal. Yeah. Maybe 10 years. I don't know if the bars are still like this, but there's this <laughs> bar called Benelux. Uh, there's this bar called Benelux on Sherbrooke and especially Jeanne Mans. Um, not sure if you're familiar with it. Anyway, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a student bar, you know, a lot of, a lot of young young folk uh, frequent this bar. And, and we're sitting at the bar and we're, we're talking about this Bitcoin idea. And the waitress comes over, she gives us a check for the beer. And we say, hey, can we pay in Bitcoin? This is what, 2014, 2015? This is before the big, you know, the big price jump in, in 2017. No one really knows what Bitcoin is. And so she looks at us, she's like, what? And she shows the ter- terminal in our face. Uh, and so that, that came, kind of gave us the idea of like, look, it'd be really, really cool if we could use our Bitcoin uh, to pay for day-to-day transactions, and that's what initiated, I guess, the company that is ShakePay today. Right. And so, I, as you said, you've kind of you've been around for, I guess, five years, and so the the incarnation today is this very sleek, very minimal, uh, you know, wallet slash exchange way of of converting fiat into Bitcoin and Ethereum. Right? Ethereum's on the. Is that? Yeah, that's right. Bitcoin, yeah. Ethereum. That's right. And man, like. You know, for people listening who are in Canada, especially who haven't tried it, like, and actually, I'll just ask you this question straight up now: How is it so fast? Because I've used I've used <laughs> other um, such products, and I'm all like, not only is it often quite slow, either from the depositing, and it's still the same way: interact e transfer. You know, people outside Canada won't know what that means, but interact e transfer to fund the account. Super slow in other service providers, and then. Uh, then the exchange rate at ShakePay seems to be one of the best. And then on withdrawal, like if you're withdrawing BTC, it's fucking fast as shit. Like what, what, what accounts for that? How do, you, how do you guys make that happen? And why is there such a disparity between those qualities and what you guys do and you know, the other players in the market? Yeah, um, so maybe just some background for your non-Canadian folks. I mean, an interactive transfer is this email protocol that somewhat exists in Canada. It's been here for what, 20 years now. Um, it basically works like this. You go to your bank, you initiate uh, a transfer, you say to whom you're sending it to, and that's usually an email address. And then you put in a security question and an answer that only the recipient would know. Or they use your use your online account. banking, right? So you don't have to go to the bank, but you could use your like yeah, online right. banking right. app. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. So you go you go online, that's right. Um, and and the recipient then gets an email with a special link. It's somewhat loaded with money if you know the password. Uh, of, of that, I'm trying to think of it like as it's locked as this, as a it's locked money with a password, um, and so you click on that link, it brings you to your own online banking, put in the password, and boom, you get money. And so what we've done is we've leveraged this technology that's existed for a couple of years now in Canada, uh, and I mean the, the the idea behind why we wanted to go on the e-transfer route was um, it's it's usually what Canadians use to pay each other. Right, it's it's the peer-to-peer protocol in Canada. You pay your rent, you pay someone back for dinner. Uh, it's usually done through an e-transfer, and so Canadians are used to sending e-transfer. So we decided, hey, let's see what we could do with uh, the e-transfer protocol. And so uh, we started accepting e-transfers, 
Um, and maybe back to your point, you, you know, you asked how how is it so quick? Uh, it's it's a it's. I guess the, the, the fundamental reason why we why we went down this road was because we wanted to emulate how fast it would be to transact on the blockchain. Um, when you send Bitcoin from one address to another, it you know it it hits uh, it hits the mempool right away. Uh, a couple of minutes later, it'll hit it'll, it'll hit its first confirmation, uh, and boom, and, and you know your recipient has money. And we always really liked the the quick the quick speed of transaction on on the blockchain. So I guess we were inspired by how transactions happen in Bitcoin, uh, and want to emulate that uh, in in the fiat space. And I think that's what's really really difficult. Uh, you know, in Canada, if you're sending uh, a bank to bank transfer, I mean, this takes a couple of days. Uh, you don't know where it is in the meantime. Um, you know, you, you might initiate it in the morning. It might get sent out the next day. It might take two days to hit the bank account. And so, uh, and so, yeah, you know, we, I guess we were inspired by how fast things happen on the blockchain and we tried to bring it as quickly, uh, as to bring that as, uh, as it would work in the fiat space. Yeah. Um, but I guess my question is how do you accomplish that both for, for, <laughs> for the funding and for the withdrawal? Yeah, it's, you know, I mean, We've, we've obviously automated a lot of things in our uh, in our system. Uh, I mean, early days we would initiate a lot of things when they would come in by hand, uh, and now things kind of go in and out automatically. Um, without getting too much into the details, I mean, it, it's really gone to a point where we've built a whole system behind just depositing and withdrawals of intraki transfers, uh, and that's why twenty four seven. I mean, it'll uh, it'll hit your bank account right away, uh, and if there's any delay, usually it's because intra-key transfers sometimes put a, puts a delay on uh, on sending out. It's just a notification that you'd get when you receive an e-transfer. And when you send out BTC, is it just a normal BTC transaction? Yeah, that's a normal one. I mean, I think most... Uh, one thing that we don't do, for example, is we don't do transaction batching. So uh, each e so each withdrawal, each, each Bitcoin withdrawal will be... Uh, its own transaction, which is why it goes out really quickly. Do you pay a higher um, a higher fee to get it out faster? Definitely. I mean, you know, we're 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 definitely in a point where uh, we've prioritized speed over cost. I suspect at some point in the future, uh, transaction batching may make sense to us, but I, I don't think we're at that space where, uh, you know, it, we're, we're getting multiple withdrawals within within a minute or so. Yeah, uh, to, because for an for like a non lightning transaction. You know, I've I've always been super wowed by the speed at which you know, like you send it from the wallet and it ends up in wherever you're storing them, like really fast. Yeah, it should get there in a couple of seconds. Yeah, you know, we send we 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 send out the withdrawal right away. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, this is obviously one of the choke points, or potentially one of the choke points. You know, the on ramps are always discussed, especially you know in terms of if. Uh, if the pressure ever kind of mounts on on Bitcoin from state actors and stuff, but even I imagine, you know, what's it, what's the experience been like, you know, being a bridge between the legacy system and this, you know, new financial system that we're all trying to be a part of in Canada. Like, what's been the response from regulators and banking partners? Like, are they receptive? Are they skeptical? Are you, do you have to do a lot of extra work? Like, what's that been like? I mean, certainly on the banking side, it's very difficult. I mean, in the U.S., for example, you've got 800 and so institutions competing against each other, whereas in Canada, uh, it's it's really somewhat centralized at the top. You know, you have these five big banks, they're the most profitable companies in Canada, uh, and they essentially dictate 
to the smaller, let's say, credit unions or other Schedule One banks in Canada, how things work. You know, they're, they're the, the, you know, they're, they're the big guys on the block, and uh, yeah. and so it's it's been quite difficult to to deal in the space. And, uh, you know, any crypto company in Canada will struggle getting just a bank account, being able to receive payments from your customers, which is, I, I would guess, it's you know, it's 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 something that'll change over time. We've certainly seen banks open up to to dealing with crypto companies, but uh, I would say that that's probably the biggest difficulty for any crypto company in Canada. On the regulation side, I mean, there's there's new laws that are coming in in June that are going to start regulating crypto transactions, so buying and selling Bitcoin. Uh, FinTrack, which is the money service regulator in Canada, and the AMF, the one in Quebec, uh, have uh, you know have released some new regulations, but those aren't really in effect and. Um, what kind of I regulations we'll will, they, will they be? Like, what will they be regulating? Uh, so they're going to be regulating essential. So money service business transactions are, are typically along the lines of check cashing, um, money transferring between two parties, either internal or external to Canada, so like remittance. Uh, and the third one is foreign exchange dealing. Uh, they're adding a new activity, which is virtual currency dealing. Uh, and so they're they're actually defining what it is to be a virtual currency, which is really interesting. I think they got their definition a little bit off, but it's probably you know, it could probably it could probably be improved. Um, but they they're essentially treating any cryptocurrency as cash. So uh, you know, I don't know if you know you know when you uh, when you go to the bank and you drop cash uh, into your bank account. Um, that gets, I guess, a bit more scrutinized on a, on a risk of compliance perspective um, as opposed to receiving a wire transfer just because you don't know where those funds come from. Right. Uh, and so FinTrack tends to see uh, cryptocurrency as cash in that scenario, which is which is interesting. I think it probably makes sense, but uh, uh, it's definitely, uh, uh, it, it, you know, it's definitely more regulation in the space. and. Uh, do you think, you know, being in the position that you are in the bridge to the, you know, from these two systems, are you like, are you nervous at all that you're kind of, you know, your whole business is at the the whims of, of regulators and the political uh, views on this thing and that it might, you know, with the stroke of a pen be swept, you know, swept out from under you someday? Or what's your opinion on that? So this is an interesting question. Um, I mentioned ShakePay used to be a debit card. So we used to be a Bitcoin debit card. So if you had Bitcoin and you wanted to spend it uh, at Starbucks or, or Amazon or whatever, uh, you'd be able to issue a Visa card that was spendable in any of these locations. Um, this, what you're describing, essentially happened to ShakePay. So about a year and a half ago, uh, we had you know we had a card program. Uh, we had a ton of users across the world, mostly in Europe. Um, we had revenue. We had, you know, we had a product, and it was. It just took one email for everything to turn off, and we lost our entire program. Yeah, I, I'm dead serious. Uh, you know, it was just an email. It was said, "Sorry, thanks for your business. Your card program has been closed." What? Uh, and and that's exactly what you're talking about here. It's it's you know being dependent on a third party to provide your service. Uh, and and so I think about this very much. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those. Oh, what's a good metaphor here? You know, when you, you know, when you're young and you, you know, you, you've gotten beat up a lot, and you, you know, you tend to overcompensate uh, when you get older. That's kind of what's happened here. 
Uh, and so we've thought a lot about this question. You know, what if your banking partners, what if X service provider, uh, you know, closes your account, are you able to continue? And so that's something that we've thought about quite a, quite a bit and uh, always worry about. Yeah, and, and it's definitely a risk. Are you guys big enough or have the resources to lobby in any capacity or support, you know, people that are lobbying? Certainly, I mean, in Canada, uh, it's a bit, it, you know, it's it's a bit smaller of a community, so it's a bit easier to get your foot in the door. I think we could probably do, be doing a better job of it at ShakePay. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, frankly, I, I, I'm not too interested uh, in the political side of things. Um, it's kind of that like exit versus voice, uh, you know. I, I like to, uh, I like to, I like to, I guess, express myself by building products as opposed to lobbying. I, you know, we're we're not that company. We're not that type of sure, sure. A business. Yeah, um, it, I think there's other folks on the block that are, but that's that's not really what we're. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally with you on that. You know, the kind of Bucky Fuller mindset, but uh, you know, politics has its proclivity yeah, to definitely. just to just put its fingers everywhere and and you know try to control everything which is why i ask but so in the in the case of the um the debit card so the card provider just emailed you one day it was like listen we got to shut you off that's it and was oh, that it wasn't it wasn't even it wasn't even pre preemptive it was your card program has now been closed like it was Holy shit. We've pulled the plug already. Yeah. And was that because they got uh, like political pressure? Because I know that, you know, a lot of different companies issued various crypto cards in 17, 18, and then they were cut. I think European Union uh, holders could make could keep it. But for people in North America, at least, I think they were no longer allowed to uh, to have them. So. uh most of the cards that you saw around that time were usually were issued under the same card issuer, uh, the one that we were using as well. And initially, I mean, you know, without getting too much into it, I mean, essentially they were issuing cards for just about anyone in the world. And um, you can't do that. I mean, when you're when you're a card issuer in a region, in a let's say Visa or Mastercard region, call it Europe being one region, Canada is one region, U.S. is one region. Um, if you're if you're uh, if you're issuing card in, in a region, you cannot issue cards to people outside your region. And so what happened was Visa obviously came and said, "Hey, I mean, you guys aren't doing things well. Uh, you know, cut what you're doing, reduce it, or else we'll come after you." Uh, and so that's what happened. And so in August 2017, that's when most of these cards issued, including ShakePay, had to drop our non-European customers. And then in January 2018, six months later, uh, is when I'm assuming they lost their their Visa license and following all the card programs that were under their under their purview. You know, hearing you talk about it, it just seems like another one of those examples where these two different worlds trying to, you know, come together, but they're just yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're so incompatible. Like one is predicated on, you know, circumventing or operating in a totally different capacity ultimately and being designed for to operate differently. But we're, you know, we're still wrestling around with like trying to see where there's enough overlap where they can fit together. And it's to appease, you know, the legacy system and the political, you know, people in the government and politics and to try to appease, you know, your mainstream user and that kind of stuff. But like part of me, well, most of me just wants to be like, I wish we could 
do away with trying to, except for the on-ramp. So I'm not, I'm not referring to what you guys are doing because that's a necessary part of it. But, um, you know, it would be so much easier if we could just use the best system for the job. And I think a lot of us would be like, well, you know, Bitcoin would be the best system a lot of the times, you know, if you've ever tried to send. But yeah, to, go ahead. To, be devil's advocate, to be devil's advocate on this point, I mean, it's, it's, almost, it's almost like saying, I mean, you're you're comparing two structures and you're trying to fit them together. You you would almost not want that to be true, right? It's it's a bit like the internet versus physical mail. Um, you know, you're effectively comparing bits and atoms, right? You're trying you're trying to fit them both to work together, and it's not going to work. And that's almost by design that it's not going to work. Yeah. Um, physical mail comes out. Uh, sorry, when the internet comes out, and you can send an email to anyone on the internet who's just connected. You didn't need anyone to physically move atoms to a different place. These are physically two incomparable or incompatible uh, structures of, 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 uh, of, uh, of governance, of, of, con of communication. And Bitcoin kind of works that way as well. Uh, you, you could think of it, I mean, you know, the current financial state is almost like it's built on atoms because uh, when you're sending money, you know, it's, you know it, 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 you're not physically moving gold, but it, it almost feels like that. Um, and the internet doesn't care where you are as long as you're connected to the internet. And so I think I think it's almost by design that this is not going to be incompatible. It's it's only through trial and error that things are going to like kick their way through uh, and work. And I think, yeah, I mean, look, I you know I I'm with you. I wish things were. were <laughs> I'm obviously in the space where you know I'm between both. Right. 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 Well, that's 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 that's. That's your predicament. And, but that's what I mean. Like what I, what, what I meant was like, yeah, they're incompatible. And I know, uh, you know, many different people come up, come up from many different angles and want to make it kind of nice and smooth and friendly to everybody involved. But the fact is, it's like they're not really compatible. They're not. And, and I, think, I think the biggest differentiator between the two is Bitcoin transactions are irreversible. That's it's so fundamental uh, and it's different in its difference to fiat transactions. Any right. kind of fiat transaction can be reversed, except, you know, obviously a cash transaction. Yeah. Um, but I think that's what changes almost everything. You know, in Bitcoin, if you receive a transaction, has six confirmations, has 20, has 100 confirmations, and it, it'll never be reversed. There is no clawback. There is no uh, ability for some higher up to come in, pull it from your Bitcoin account, uh, and return it to the sender. Whereas, Credit cards, wire transfer—I mean, this all these all these money protocols built on uh, on on the fiat system uh, are mostly irreversible, and and it just makes everything more expensive. It's just a different kind of flow, a different kind of mentality. Uh, it's it's yeah. I mean, you can we can we can we can go deep on on this, um, but uh, you know, I fundamentally believe in uh, I, I you know I, I fundamentally believe that that because these are two different kind of protocols. Uh, you know, they are fundamentally incompatible. Although I would wish uh, that they wouldn't be, because it would make my life certainly easier. <laughs> so, given that, like, what what is your vision for ShakePay if there is one beyond the existing services that you guys provide? I mean, we think our we think your entire wealth will exist in digital in digital currency and digital assets. Uh, you know, it's starting with money, so Bitcoin. Uh, you know, you, you, you're essentially you're essentially using Bitcoin as a savings account. No one can control it. It's your money. Um, but I, you know, the way we see the future is that at some point in the future, your entire wealth will exist in digital currency. Uh, your house, your mortgage, 
uh, all the stocks that you own, your equity, everything is going to be uh, these bite-sized currencies on, on the internet. Uh, and CheckPay will be the way that you manage that. Um, I, I think the way that we get there is by getting as many people into Bitcoin as possible, which is kind of what ShakePay is today. I mean, the goal for us in the short term is to get as many Canadians as possible owning Bitcoin. Right. Uh, that's how that it's it's kind of how you flank the system. Sure. Um, and so, what? Tell me about the Ethereum integration. What's the you know why and how's it been going? What's the interest level? Um, it's. I mean, it was certainly bigger early on. Um, Ethereum, the difficulty with Ethereum is certainly the technical aspects of, of integration. Um, I, I mean, I think I think the obvious one is custody, right? Bitcoin has a battle-tested multi-sig system uh, that is almost excellent. You know, it's almost perfect. It's it's, it's a great system. Uh, you can sign keys. You, you can sign transactions. Uh, in different locations without having to ever bring the keys together, which means that it's ultimately secure in the long term. I think Ethereum is is still somewhat nascent in this space in that it doesn't have a defined protocol for multi-signature transactions. Uh, you, you have smart contracts, obviously, but you know, as we've seen with some of the bugs in the recent years, uh, those are not perfect. Um, I'm, I'm obviously relating to the parity hack. Uh, and so... You know, it's. I, I guess I, I don't have I don't have too much of a political view, if you want to call it, uh, between Bitcoin and Ethereum, or the reason why we're holding Ethereum. Um, I mean, I you know I, I think I think in terms of uh, in terms of innovation on the types of on the types of networks that are created on top of Ethereum, it's certainly very interesting. I mean, I don't know that I call myself a Bitcoin maximalist. Though, if someone were asking me what were, you know what currencies are you buying, I really only buy Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, right. But I think I, I think there's I think there's a difference here between something being useful or being valuable and its its underlying token, let's call it, being valuable. Uh, you know, Wikipedia is a really great service that is hugely valuable for the world. Mm -hmm. But I would probably not invest in the Wikipedia company organization, mm -hmm. uh, assuming that the, you know, the, the value of that, that stock would go up. Um, I, I kind of think of Ethereum in that way. And I think I kind of, you know, I, I think, I think at some point in the future, uh, things that are built on top of Ethereum may be valuable uh, in the way that you, you can create tokens for, uh, just about anything. I think it's very, very difficult on Bitcoin. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, allowing folks to get into Ethereum is just a way to get more people into uh, experimenting with different models of, uh, of, of the network. Yeah. And so if that being the case, why not offer more than just the two? Well, that's where I <laughs> well, that's where I don't see a utility in some of the other currencies. Right. Um, I, I, you know, if you look at trading volumes, you know, you see what I think Litecoin is the next one. You probably have Ripple coming up soon afterwards. Um, you know, we don't see utility in, in any of these currencies, and it, it seems to me like those are mostly just there because they're there, as opposed to being. Uh, and if you look at the Litecoin code base, it hasn't been hasn't been worked on in a couple of months. What's the breakdown? I mean, if you can share or or yeah, comment on 
the breakdown between on your platform BTC purchases versus Ethereum? Just how much interest is in each one relative to each other? Yeah, it's certainly much higher on Bitcoin. Uh, probably three quarters, something like that. Right. And do you guys do much like education as part of your service? I mean, I know one thing I love about the app is that it's just super basic. And I think, you know, a lot of other providers in the space, both in Canada and outside, have gotten hung up before by just trying, you know, trying to offer too many features and make it too flashy and stuff. And it, it seems like now there's a couple of solution providers out there that are they get like that simplicity is good especially when you're dealing with something that's new for a lot of people and so i think that's great but do you guys do like education on you know on bitcoin and why it's valuable and all this kind of stuff yeah we try to i mean we we have a learn blog it's a, it's an educational blog it has a bunch of blog posts about how to do things in bitcoin uh, i mean one of them is obviously how to generate private keys how to own your own currency we very much believe in that. Um, we don't want you storing your Bitcoin on CheckBit. Uh, we want you to learn how to be a self-sovereign, to run your own keys, uh, and to, to own your own wealth. Uh, and so, you know, there's a blog post about how to generate private keys, how to store your own private keys. Um, we, you know, we also cover the mining fees, so we somewhat incentivize you to take your Bitcoin off of CheckBit. If you bought one Bitcoin on CheckBit and you're holding one Bitcoin in your balance, you send it on the, on the blockchain, you'll receive one Bitcoin in your in your wallet. Uh, and so we've somewhat incentive we've built our system to incentivize people to learn how to uh, how to how to be a self sovereign. We believe that. And so uh, I think we could probably be doing a better job of this. Um, uh, but we're certainly pushing in that direction. And so uh, you know that is the case. You guys take the transaction fee and there's I think there's zero percent uh, withdrawal fees, right? Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So on, on fiat and on crypto. Yeah. Right. So how do you make money? Yeah. So we make money on our posted rates, essentially. Oh, um, uh, you know, we're marketed as commission free, uh, and so when you go to buy Bitcoin, what you see is what you get. Uh, there's a buy rate and there's a sell rate, uh, and the difference between that rate is essentially where we make our money. Right. Um, and so, just, like, just to give you a quick example, you know, Alice and Bob, uh, one is buying Bitcoin. Alice is selling Bitcoin. Bob is buying Bitcoin. Um, Alice will buy Bitcoin, uh, let's say at, uh, sorry, Alice is selling Bitcoin at $11,000 per Bitcoin. Uh, and so Shakepay will trade directly with Alice. So we'll send her our Canadian dollars, we'll buy her Bitcoin. Uh, and then we'll sell those Bitcoin to Bob for just a bit under uh, what Alice paid. And the difference is where we make our money. And, but you don't publish the, dif the difference, right? You just publish a rate and that's it. Yeah, I mean, both rates are are are, are visible. Uh, so you know, we're we're quite, we're quite clear with how we charge. Or, sorry, we're quite clear with our uh, buy and sell rates. Um, so user, when they go in the app and they say, "Hey, I, I want to buy ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin," or "I want to buy one Bitcoin," they'll see the rate at which they can buy. See, they'll right. see the rate at which. They can sell. Right. And right. so it's it's showing your face on on the app. Yeah. And where where does a company like ShakePay get the bitcoins that they? sell effectively to customers where do you guys buy them from yeah so we're plugged into some of the bigger exchanges in the back end so when we can't fulfill trades ourselves or we don't want to uh we'll source them from a third party uh, okay. we haven't published who our trading partners are but you know they're they're the household names that you'll that you'll hear about right um another thing i wanted to ask you about and you know i don't do it to uh be difficult or salacious or anything like that but 
you know, in, in the 2017-18 era, you know, we, everyone got wrapped up to some degree in, in the altcoin ICO frenzy. I know when you were doing the card thing, I think there was some cooperation with Dash or something. Was there not? I think I thought Shake yeah, we, had had some cooperation with Dash with the with the card. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, so we were accepting back then. We were accepting Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, and Dash. So there were four currencies on the on the debit card. Okay. Uh, that was it. I mean, there was no. So you could just fund the card. You could fund the card yeah. with with your Dash and then spend it however you like. Yeah, that's right. Uh, early on, we'd been approached by the folks in the Dash community, and and I guess we had somewhat gotten well known in that space and uh you know got to know a few folks in, in the in the dash space and so we just offered uh to, to to accept that currency um yeah that was it i mean there was no there was no investment there was no uh monetary incentive for us to do so yeah um what's the if the, that was a question <laughs> yeah well i just wanted to just there was no it wasn't a very precise question i was just asking what the the kind of relationship was but uh What's the, from your perspective, what's the, the Bitcoin scene in Canada like, you know, like in, or in Montreal or in Canada more broadly, like what's your take on what it's like now uh, and what it's like maybe vis-a-vis 2017? Well, obviously it was more, you know, more active late 2017, but what's your impression of where it's at today? I mean, it was certainly more active and I think, I think there was certainly more, and I think you'll see this around the world. I mean, certainly more people from all kinds of industries coming in with new ideas and, and new interesting ways of doing X, Y, Z uh, that you didn't necessarily agree with. Um, I think I think what's cool about Montreal, I mean, Montreal is a very, it's a, it's a low-key anarchist kind of city. Uh, I don't know if you know, know much about this, but and you know, in 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 Montreal, we're we're quite well known for we're not I guess not quite well known, but it, it, there's so much of, of an underground. Uh, you know, there's an adult industry, there's a gaming industry, I and mean, these aren't things that you see published on on the internet. But it's it's quite it's quite uh, you know it, it's quite developed. Uh, you know, some of the websites that you'll you'll see in the top I don't know 100 websites uh, are some that were that were started in Montreal, and so. Uh, you know, there's always this, there's, there's always this underground kind of folk uh, that that like to build things that kind of go against the governments. And so, uh, I think what you've seen, yeah, I think I think what you've seen in uh, in in Montreal specifically, and I, I think it, I think the scene's a bit different in Toronto and some of the other cities in Canada. But I think in Montreal. Uh, there is a, a very big Bitcoin community. Uh, and there are a bunch of Bitcoin first, let's call them startups that are, that are based in Montreal. And, and probably one of the most well-known on, on Twitter uh, is Francois Pouliot, who's a good friend, uh, and, uh, and his company. And uh, uh, there's a new custodian company called Knox based in Montreal as well uh, that, that are doing great things. And uh, uh, yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's exciting, and I think I think as the bear market ends, or you know wherever we are in the cycle, um, you're starting to see folks really only care about Bitcoin, which is a which is a great great incentive, um, or, or, or a great a great you know folks to, a set of folks to be around. Yeah. Um, 
Is there much, you know, and I, I, I can't compare it to where I'm from because there's really not much activity uh, in that regard there. But, you know, I spoke to, to Ben from BTC Sessions, and I, I think he's in Calgary. I believe he nice. also works with uh, Bull Bitcoin now. Um, and he said, you know, it's still very blockchain, like corporate blockchain speak, you know, and which which almost shocks me. Of course, it shocks me because I'm a complete Bitcoin lunatic, you know, so I'm, I'm deep, deep into in down the rabbit hole. But uh, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat surprised that it's, you know, at, at this stage, especially after the frenzy in 2017. I mean, I recognize a lot of people got burned and that's often a reason why people, you know, keep at keep it at arm's length for a while. But there's so much good information available now and there's so many cool companies and service providers and stuff in the space. I'm I'm like I'm kind of surprised that there's not more energy around it. But you're saying that's kind of different in Montreal, right? It's like it's more palpable. I, so the the blockchain only thing I think it works really well when you're talking with financial institutions that are well, established. Sure. <laughs> they don't, it, they it don't want Bitcoin. Great. Bitcoin's going to fuck their shit up, right? They, they want a nice, you know, yeah, nice exactly. tidy little blockchain. Exactly. You, it, it's, it's easy for a bank to come in and say, yes, this new currency, this new token, this new network, uh, you, you can have a little more control of it over it, over an established one like Bitcoin. So there is an incentive for, for those folks to come in and say, yes, let me partner with you. This is interesting. Um, and frankly, I mean, I agree with you. There's there's nothing interesting there for me. Uh, I I kind of get this speak when I go to Toronto. Uh, I go to Toronto quite often, and uh, you know some of the folks that I meet there that are in uh, you know the Bitcoin space, let's call it, uh, are, are blockchain not Bitcoin. Um, some of the folks that are a bit more in the established, you know, like I, uh, that work at the banks or, or any or any kind of a bank uh, financial service, uh, they'll be very much blockchain not Bitcoin. And it's frustrating. What and you try to help. What kind of arguments do they make if you ever like not arguments, but you know what I mean? Like if you ever hang out with them long enough to have have the conversation, like what is the value prop that they see in blockchain and not Bitcoin? I think it's the interoperability between the different, let's call them nodes in the network, not actually being nodes um, that makes it interesting for them. But I think I think what I always try to tell them is you know, the the blockchain is slower. It's more expensive. Uh, it's, it's, it's like there, there is no advantage for you to use a blockchain. Why aren't you using API calls? Like there's nothing in it for you. Uh, the reason you would use a blockchain as a technology is because you want, you want uncensorability above anything else. Like that's the only reason for using any kind of blockchain technology is that you don't want people to have to ask permission, uh, to transact or to interact with each other. That's why a decentralized or distributed system is more interesting than a centralized one. And there's none of that here. You know, anyone who talks about supply chain, um, who talks about identity or whatever, I mean, there, there is no reason uncensorability is more important uh, than, than interoperability, let's say. And I think that's what people tend to not understand. You know, Bitcoin... It's certainly more, you know, you, you know, you get these tweets about Bitcoin being cheaper to send wire transfers cross border. And I think that works for these really, really big amounts. Um, but the real value that Bitcoin brings is its uncensorability. It's its ability to say, I don't need anyone's permission to build on this network or to send money with, to, to anyone else on this network. Um, and 
you know, you, you essentially pay a price for that in slowness, in limited transactional output. Um, and I don't think that's what most people that aren't clear about what Bitcoin or blockchain is tend to get. Right. Well, it's a direct affront to what they are. They are the people that grant permission, whether they're a bank or a you know government institution or something. So, of course, you know, of course, and they're hearing all this hype about blockchain and Bitcoin, like, oh, yeah, yeah, what is it? We got to it's the next big thing. And then it's like, well, we just want to remove some of these attributes and then it's totally fine. And then you don't have what, you know, the excitement is gone. The things that generated the excitement for that are gone if you remove those things. Um, yeah, why not? I mean, it, you know, it's 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 always it's always written. I think AI is someone entering the space, uh, though. I, you know, I I, I I I don't know too much about I don't know too much about this you know, the AI space, but you know, Montreal is one of these uh, hubs that is developing into AI. We have a couple of big companies here. Governments are starting to pour money into companies, uh, and it you know it's getting to me like you know maybe we've gone on the other side of uh, this 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 space, but. Um, but you know, I, 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 yeah, I think, I think, yeah, just to, to end the point there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's end the point. Um, do you, you know, this, this question gets a lot, you know, we, we've been in the quote unquote honeymoon period with Bitcoin for the last 10 years, let's say, uh, from your perspective, do you think that will continue or do you think, uh, you know, a greater showdown is coming as Bitcoin starts to kind of innervate and put pressure on existing systems? Where do you, where do you see that playing out or how do you see that playing out? I don't have a strong view on, on this. Um, I think if you were, if, if you were to be conservative, if, you, if you're a Bitcoin conservative and you think that, that, you know, the, the, you know, those people are after us, uh, kind of feeling and, and you paint this picture of them versus us then, then you would certainly think something is coming on that on that on that front uh, the governments are going to band together financial systems are going to you know reject all Bitcoin you know wh whatever it may be um, I think if you were a Bitcoin conservative you would think that way uh, and and try to foresee what would come about and try to, you know, to, to go around it. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably the right way to think about it. And I think the only way or the strongest way, uh, to fight against that is to get as many people into Bitcoin as possible. Um, it's about convincing your fellow citizen to understand why Bitcoin, um, why Bitcoin is important uh, to get them owning some Bitcoin, even if it's you know a dollar worth of Bitcoin, just to get them to understand how a private key works, uh, why the network is interesting, um, and and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would probably I would probably be more in that camp. Yeah. Uh, and so, ShakePay is really about getting as many people into Bitcoin as possible because. Yeah, if, if you're if you're if you're, you know, the 2012 doomsday kind of kind of folk, you think something's coming, you prepare for it. I think that's the best way to prepare for. Yeah, uh, I, I think. Like this. Yeah, I think it's always, you know, prudent maybe to uh, plan for the worst and hope for the best. But I, I agree with you, you know, because in, this conversation often gets directed towards, well, you know 
we need mining to be more decentralized and we need more maybe mining hashing power on the network so it's harder for state actors to compete or we need better privacy and all this kind of stuff and um you know i i i understand those arguments but i i think i agree with you in that the hardest the way to make this the hardest to stop is that if you know more tens, hundreds of millions, billions of people are actually involved in it, you know, because you can't criminalize a billion people. You can't criminalize two billion people. And the more this is kind of a part of their life and they understand it and they see it for what it really is so they can't be convinced it's, you know, for drug dealers and terrorists only, then I think politically it would be a much harder move to to, to fight it. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> <clears throat> I, you know, I, I, I wasn't old enough to see the transition to the internet. Uh, I guess in my earliest memories, we were somewhat already connected with 56k dial-up. Um, but you know, you, I, it was, there was a tweet going around, I think it was last week where, uh, some TV show host is like 1994. What is the internet? I don't know if you saw that one, but That's what the- is the internet? What is this internet? And it's like, and you know, it, it, it kind of feels like that's what Bitcoin is today. And, yeah. and you know, you, you look now, my grandfather's on the internet, he's paying for you know, he's paying for his bills on the internet, he buys his tickets online. Like it's you know, it, it's it's one. The internet has won. Uh, and it's easy to go back and say, Oh, you know, those people were wrong. Uh, but it's it's I don't know, I, I kinda get I get I kinda get a that metaphor when I when I think about this. For so, sure, uh, for sure. I think Kate it was like a morning show with Katie Couric and some other people and they were they were like Okay, so you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They were like, What's that at sign? you because know, the the at a, pr- a primitive <laughs> version of the at sign was for their email address and they were directing their audience to it and they were like, What the hell is that? What what's the A? <laughs> is it the internet? You know? So yeah, I think a lot of us feel feel that way and that we're kind of the the early adopters that, that are seeing this and uh, yeah, and I think what if we just reflect on the last five years, I mean, more and more people are being brought into the space. It's being legitimized more and more, and so I just think that needs uh, that needs to continue, right? People need to understand what this is so that they see it as something that's a net positive for humanity, basically, and and start engaging in it. And then you know, uh, it'd be much harder to uh, much harder politically speaking to to do anything to try to stop it or, or dramatically slow it down. But yeah, I think, I, so I, I, I think on that it, oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just think on that it, you know, it, if you were, if you were very, very skeptical, it's the race between getting as many people owning and understanding Bitcoin versus, you know, the political cloud coming in and, and, you know, putting the brakes on it. Yeah. Uh, so, I think you know. the, I think the fight will be potentially more vigorous because you know with media, media was not the, the the fundamental component of of state power the way that money is. But I think the process is playing out in a similar way. So I, you know, perhaps perhaps that doesn't matter so much. Kind of how how tight their their desired grip is on it because it seems to be happening anyways. What's up, guys? That's the end of my conversation with John. If you want to hear the rapid fire episode, that's available for download now also. See ya.